TikTok. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. Dictators and wannabe dictators want you to live in fear and uncertainty, to believe their fantasy that power is unprincipled and unchecked and chaos reigns supreme. Donald Trump's party is living that morbid fantasy. This week was a perfect time capsule for the state of the GOP. They had a presidential debate without their criminal front runner, front runner that was a literal joke, wasted precious hours on an evidence-free impeachment hearing that was an unmitigated disaster, and are allowing that serial con artist who this week was found liable for billions of dollars worth of fraud to push our government to a shutdown that will affect national security and millions of Americans. To what? Disrupt operations in the courts that have him on trial? That's the goal, but he can only delay the inevitable. And the cost of these hostage negotiations are all but certain to backfire on Republicans in the end, just like that sham impeachment hearing. And to put a cherry on top of it, Trump's first co-defendant in Georgia just made a deal with prosecutors. Like I said, TikTok. The GOP can live in their fantasy world, a nightmarish fantasy, no doubt. We will live awake in reality because the question is not who wins, but how many suffer in the process. Will we clinch democracy from the jaws of authoritarianism before it's too late? President Joe Biden's doing a phenomenal job of laying out the stakes, the danger and the time. So is Mark Milley and so many among us. Thank God that we know in time what is real and what is unreal. I'm joined today by a former Air Force officer, former senior technical advisor to the January 6th committee, former member of the Freedom Caucus, Denver Riggleman. Welcome to Lights On. Hey, thanks, Jessica. Great to be here. I'm always very hesitant to actually call it a Freedom Caucus. That's a, a misnomer if there ever was one. Yeah, I even think it was different in 2018. And I apologize. I look like I'm in a hostage situation at the hotel here. So I just want to let you oh, know no. I'm okay. You're fine. Uh, but no, so yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, but as far as the Freedom Caucus, I remember, you know, I won by one vote in my convention. You remember, Jessica, I was never in, in any type of politics. And I think once I got to Congress, I really thought, and I know people were like, oh, God, Den. But I'm like, well, you know, I can make a difference in the Freedom Caucus. Isn't it supposed to be a free exchange of ideas? And what I found out, it was like playing in the balls at Chuck E. Cheese, you know, it just wasn't wasn't quite uh, what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I mean, really, you just the epitome of that, that oxymoron or paradox or whatever you want to call it of that name is the fact that this party, in particular, members of the quote unquote Freedom Caucus are letting our entire government be held hostage by a wannabe dictator. Um, and, you know, you're a former member of the military. You know what it means to put your life on the line for this country. I wanted to play the outgoing remarks of the former Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, today. It was, it was quite the speech. To a country. We don't take an oath to a tribe. We don't take an oath to a religion. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen or a tyrant, or a dictator, and we don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. We don't take an oath to an individual. We take an oath to the Constitution, and we take an oath to the idea that it's America, and we're willing to die to protect it. Every soldier, sailor, airman, marine, guardian, and coast guardsman, each of us commits our very life to protect and defend that document, regardless of personal price.
that's the ideal and that's the goal, but it is not what these Republicans are living at all. No, and you know, listening to General Milley, that's what we call you know, I'm a former Air Force officer. I'm actually a Mustang. I was former enlisted in an officer. He would be called a stud flag officer right there. You know, that's that's somebody who really embodies what it is to be a military officer. And what I find funny, Jessica, and I know we can talk about this all day. I don't think anybody would identify General Milley as a raging liberal. So I think uh, I think when you have an individual like that who stands up wearing those stars, somebody who served this country, somebody who I respect completely because I do have a, a touch of that in my past, about 11 years of it. When you see something like that, it should actually, I think, steal the spine of a lot of individuals out there who think that things are just so bad that they can't get over. But when you see somebody like General Milley, I think that does get hope that we still have so much honor and so much goodness in our military armed forces. Yeah, you said he's not a raging liberal. And again, we have this, this complete irony of a party who has for so long enjoyed the support of so many of our armed forces. You have Fox News being pumped into military bases, which I think is an absolute crime. I mean, the propaganda that our service are subjected to. And yet you have this party on the brink of a shutdown. Uh, full disclosure, we're recording this a few hours early today. So there may be some, some developments when this goes live. But as of right now, it looks like we are plowing towards a McCarthy-Trump shutdown. Um, and who and what what is who is this going to impact it's going to impact our military it's going to impact our national security in the senate you have a ludicrous excuse for a senator tuberville single-handedly blocking military promotions even 10 senators or nine senators joined tuberville to block uh, uh, Millie's successor as um, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, including Ted Cruz and uh, J.D. Vance. These people who pretend to care about our military are acting like there's some fantasy woke epidemic that they can't even define, meanwhile, really putting our national security at risk. You know, it's funny to talk about Tuberville. You know, he's part of that conspiratorial mindset. Um, I think he's almost to a point when we're talking about those that are being elected today, um, it's about performative ignorance. And I think that's really how they they want to run their elections or they want to run their campaigns is they have voters that they believe that they can mine, uh, not only for fundraising through hyperbolic and outrageous statements, but they do know if they continue with the conspiratorial thinking or Tuberville just sort of gaslighting everybody about his support for the military while he's blocking appointments or blocking promotions, it's just ludicrous. So I think I think what we're seeing, um, and we're seeing it, and I, I don't even call it the. And Jessica, you know this. We I don't even call it the far right anymore. The alt right. I've been calling it the fantasy right or the cosmic right. Yeah. You know, these are a lot of individuals who think they have a direct line to the supernatural, so they believe everything. So it's so credulous and so out there. I don't know what we do with some of these people. When you talk about the shutdown, I don't know if you saw the twenty-one that voted against the CR. But I would love to do an analysis really quick of all those who thought the election was stolen also and put out ridiculousness uh, about conspiracy theories. I think you're going to find a, almost a one to one correlation with those people. Yeah, I kind of merged your theme of fantasy with Justice Arthur and Goron's theme of fantasy in his ruling this week in the civil fraud trial, because that's exactly what he said when he found Trump liable for defrauding banks and insurers fraudulently overvaluing his assets by $2.2 billion and stripping Donald Trump of control of his New York properties. He said Trump lives in a fantasy world, not the real world. And that's what I was trying to do in the open, kind of like merge these, these concepts of fantasy 
and time because I think it's only a matter of time before these um, fantasies literally implode in their faces. I mean, the, the, the whole state, Denver, of the Republican Party right now is absolutely insane. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. We can't for a moment pretend like this is normal. For God's sakes, a four-time indicted criminal, serial criminal con artist is the leading front runner and they have some like pretend debate to pretend like they're in normal times. I mean, it's not think real. Think about the fraud. It's not, think about the fraud you just talked about and he was found liable for sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, it's, it's mind blowing. But, you know, I do think fantasy and crazy sometimes does, you know, I think it eats its own tail. Yes. But also fantasy and crazy has a lot more energy than sanity. And a lot of times I would say that inconsistency of message where it's like this fantasy, good against evil, apocalyptic conspiracy theories. It's like a Superman, you know, punch to their amygdala. You know, they get, you know, it, inconsistency uh, is a feature, not a bug when it comes to the GOP right now. That's what's scary. And I think that's what you're referring to is how do you go to a point in a major party in only what, six or seven years, eight years, Jessica, where we go from where maybe, you know, we still need a solid center-right party. It's something that we really need in this country to this incredible autocratic leaning bizarreness where fantasy and credulity and J6 and stop the steal and the storm and the great awakening and the great reset and WWG1, WGA and Comet Ping Pong and the deep state and the globalists, all these individuals trying to take over our country and it's evil against good. And Donald Trump is the imperfect vessel for the perfect for the perfect mission from God. That is where we're at. And that type of autocracy and insanity and glue sniffing, I think, is just taking us to another level that it's 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 hard to actually get your arms around. It is. And you have such unique perspective into this. I think you and I do. I mean, I, I bought into a version of it. I didn't buy into the really insane conspiracies, but I certainly bought into the concept of Donald Trump being a at least a political savior. I would never idolize him as a god, but I did believe he was the, the man of the moment. God help me at, at one point in my life. Um, he at one point very strongly endorsed you and um, you voted yep, over sure 90% did. in Congress with him. So I really want to talk because I think this is so interesting and I'm so grateful to have you here with me. But I want to I want to play this clip from Biden's speech, actually two clips. Uh, we'll play him back to back from Biden's speech on democracy yesterday, honoring John McCain. You know, Biden gets ripped so often by these, uh, you know, nasty, defaming forces on the right for being incompetent and not strong enough. And he was he was so on point, so clear and really is hitting home this message of the stakes that we're facing. So let's take a listen and we'll, we'll springboard from there. But there's no question that today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA Republican extremists. Their extreme agenda, if carried out, would fundamentally alter the institutions of American democracy as we know it. My friends, they're not hiding their attacks. They're openly promoting them, attacking the free press as the enemy of the people, attacking the rule of law as an impediment, fomenting voter suppression and election subversion. Did you ever think we'd be having debates at your stage of your careers where banning books banning books and burying history. Extremists in Congress more determined to shut down the government, to burn the place down than to let the people's business be done. Our U.S. military, and this is not hyperbole, I've said it for the last two years, 
is the strongest military in the history of the world. Not just the strongest in the world, in the history of the world. The most diverse, most powerful in the history of the world. It's being accused of being weak and woke by the opposition. One guy in Alabama is holding up the promotion of every hundreds of these officers. Frankly, these extremists have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So Denver, I really wanted to hone in on that silence is deafening because I think that just is, it defines where we are. If your former party, my former party, writ large, stood up to these extremists, said in public what they know to be true in private, we would not be in the dilemma that we are in. I think, you know, I I think this is the issue about science is deafening, is I think more and more people were actually agreeing with those outrageous sentiments. I actually believe President Biden was being kind when he said a majority of Republicans don't believe in this. Uh, I think we're looking at a majority of the base, especially in certain Republican districts, I would say R plus 10 or above, who might casually sort of agree with the fact that General Milley is a traitor based on their belief in J6, based on the fact that he turned against President Trump, who's ordained, obviously, by many of the MAGA prophets to be president of the United States, regardless of the vote that happened in 2020. So, yes, the science is deafening. But whether you're a cynic, you just want to win an election or you're a true believer, the outcome is the same. You know, when I was in the military, there was a saying, you know, whether you get shoot on, whether you get shot on accident or shot on purpose, you're still getting shot. I think we're still seeing that right now in the Republican Party. It doesn't matter if you don't believe these crazy sentiments, but if you're such a coward that you're afraid to go out there in an, in, with, with integrity to say that this is so ludicrous, I think we're in a real danger of losing a large portion of the populace back to what you were referring to, Jessica, which is fantasy and crazy. And again, I don't think you want people uh, in the House or, or political leaders that are making decisions or saying this type of crazy stuff, because then you're appealing to those those crazy folks who think the Lord of the Rings is a documentary. And I think that's where we're at right now is that crazy and credulous might be becoming the baseline for many of the districts out there that have a really large Republican base. Yeah, there's a lot I could touch on there. Just just thinking about my own experience and, you know, even things that I did not necessarily more crazy conspiracies that I did not believe I was sympathetic to them because of of the mainstreaming of people that should not be given a platform, should not be given oxygen. And I remember, I mean, I remember moments even, and you know, there was enough. Everybody tells me, and I understand this now, it was my own blindness. There was plenty of evidence in the public sphere in 2016 for me to know better than to ever support uh, Donald Trump. But I um, allowed my own miseducation um, my own ignorance to be buttressed by the fact that mainstream, who I saw as mainstream Republicans were coming to his defense. And, um, you know, I believe, I really do believe Denver as, as many of the Republicans in the base or just writ large, not even just the QAnon crowd, but like you said, it's, it's much more of the party that really falls prey to these would be impacted by leadership changing the narrative and telling them the truth about what they know. Well, you know, 
again, you're seeing this rise in Christian nationalism. You're seeing groups like the New Apostolic Reformation and United in Purpose, UIP. You're seeing the reawakened tours with Mike Flynn. So you are seeing this good against evil, apocalyptic, conspiratorial thinking really starting to bloom. Um, first of all, you're incredibly brave to say what you just said. Um, because I think you've heard the new conspiracy theory that just came out or that's starting to bloom is that Dianne Feinstein's death was under mysterious circumstances so that Gavin Newsom could appoint Kamala Harris as the new VP, uh, as the new senator for California. And then Gavin would take over as VP for Biden so that there's a stronger ticket so that actually Gavin Newsom would be running for president here soon. And that's really been bubbling up in the far right circles is that you know, the senator's death from California, who is 90 years old, is somehow under suspicion based on this conspiratorial mind bent that this is all about Gavin Newsom being the VP and eventually running for president. Think about how crazy that sounds from just what I told you right there, Jessica. Think about how insane that is. But that is now being metastasized. It's being pushed and then metastasized across alternative media channels. That's the kind of stuff that we're that we're dealing with. And by the way, if you went right now, you know, I own distilleries. I make whiskey for a living, too. You know, I my whole life was making whiskey and hunting terrorists. Right. But I think that when if you went to my distilleries right now, people would say a couple of things that Biden is part of the deep state of the globalists. Um, they they did run child trafficking rings. He probably did have Feinstein killed. So Gavin Newsom could come on. So these are the type of things that a lot of people would believe. And I know it's almost laughing, but it's deadly serious when that type of fantasy metastasizes across a whole group of people. It is. And I'll, I'll make a confession here. I've never, um, I've never told this. I, I tended to believe in when was it that Justice Scalia died? Do you remember? Was it 2015? Oh gosh. I think it was, it was a 2015 or 2016. I think, I think it was Scalia 20, died. Yeah, that, it was during that, that hunting camp. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. During I, the I mean, right. I fell prey, I fell prey to some of those conspiracies, which again, at the time were very widespread that Justice Scalia's death was not natural, that it was, you know, a fix. And, and you know, Scalia I mean, they were a young man. <laughs> not a young man at the time, you know. No, exactly, exactly. But I mean, that's you that mm. you're you're so right. The inclination in that environment is to make a conspiracy literally out of everything literally out of everything. And I'll tell you, Denver, I don't know if you agree with me, but from my short stint in politics, I of course worked on the Trump campaign, my short stint in politics and, and even the corporate world, because I come to this from the arts, I'm not a corporate creature or a political creature, was that pe these people are so vastly incompetent. They could not, they could not, they're not capable of these unbelievable conspiracies that people give them it's so for. true on either side <laughs> on either side you're right you know, a lot of these people would look up a lot of, i'm worried if they would look up at a rainstorm they would drown you know that's how stupid they are and so those are you know and those are some of the people that were ascribing these conspiracies to and i think there's a saying and i'm not doing this exactly the justice jessica on this but yeah. never ascribe something to a conspiracy that you can ascribe to stupidity um, that's really what it comes down to is that people like to backward rationalize random events, but they always go back to this government cover up false flag type of conspiratorial thinking. And I've, and I've always said that false flags are the bastion of the dumbest conspiracy theorists. Uh, and I think that's where we're at right now is that everything is some kind of government cover up. And even though the government can't balance the budget, they can't pass any type of laws that actually make sense to the American people. You have complete chaos. You have people who don't know what they're doing in Congress at all. You have the least talented that are being attracted to service now in politics, which happened to me, right? I mean, I just refuse to 
to campaign under the banner of stupidity, like my opponent. Um, what you're seeing is you're seeing a group of people that can barely tie their own shoes, much less run some deep based conspiratorial theory or conspiratorial activity or action. And, you know, I go back to, you know, people believing that there's, you know, alien body parts and freezers next to Area 51. I just start laughing. I mean, it's, it's to a point that I would say it's not a majority of the American public, but I've had a large plurality. I think I do think 40 to 45 percent believe in some of the craziest, th craziest things. I think they're attracted to that type of thinking and they'll vote that way. And here's the one thing. A stupid vote is just as, as effective as a vote from somebody who's facts based. And I think that's something we, again, need to get our arms around that stupid votes equal just as much smart votes. So Denver, I know absolutely nothing about distilling alcohol, but I have a question for you about whiskey. It, it, has, to be it. it has to be fermented, right? That is there, correct. Okay, so we're, we're, I'm gonna make an analogy to conspiracy theories. The Republicans are trying to ferment their conspiracies into something real, something to grasp. No better example than this endless charade to slander Hunter Biden and by extension, his father, Joe, the president, with no evidence linking Joe Biden to any crime, any high crime and misdemeanor. I'm sure you caught the impeachment, oh my God, shameful, disastrous impeachment hearing yesterday. There were so many standout performances from the Democrats on that committee, but I wanted to play one that um, you may have seen before, but I, I could just listen to this all day. It's Jasmine Crockett of Texas oh, yeah. brutally taking down um, the Republicans' failed fermentation effort. <laughs> Let's play Representative Crockett. Have you ever heard them say if since we've been sitting here for I don't know how long? Yes, I I um I've been taking a tally. Oh, okay. Can you um, show us can you so tell us what the tally is? More than thirty-five times the Republican witnesses and Republican members of the committee have used the word if. Thank you so much um, for that. Because honestly, if they would continue to say if or hunter and we were playing a drinking game, I would be drunk by now. Because I promise you, they have not talked about the subject of this, which would be the president. But let me tell you something that was so disturbing as I walked in to this chamber today. As I prepared, I said, what is the crime? Because when you're talking about impeachment, you're talking about high crimes or misdemeanors. And I, I can't seem to find the crime. And honestly, no one has testified of what crime they believe the president of the United States has committed. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence, they want to act like they blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the shitter to me. This looks like more evidence of our national secrets, say on a stage at Mar-a-Lago. When we're talking about somebody that's committed high crimes, it's at least indictments, let's say 32 counts related to unauthorized retention of national security secrets, seven counts related to obstructing the investigation, three false statements, one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States, falsifying business records, conspiracy to defraud the United States, two counts related to efforts to obstruct the vote certification proceedings, one count of conspiracy to violate civil rights, 23 counts related to forgery or false document statements, eight counts related to soliciting and I could go on because he's got 91 counts pending right now but I will tell you what the president has been guilty of he has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally and that is the only evidence that they have brought forward and honestly 
I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child. Until they find some evidence, we need to get back to the people's work, which means keeping this government open so that people don't go hungry in the streets of the United States. And I will yield. Bow down. <laughs> it's, I, I, you know, the thing, listen, God bless her. You know, she was able to, it's tough as a congressman. You know, I've been on the dais five minutes, right? That's what you have. Mm -hmm. And to be that compact in your statement and that directed, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll have to say this, though. What's sad about Jasmine is that the people who support that will say, my goodness, that was a facts-based directed attack to something so ridiculous that all of us can actually get our arms around this. If me and you, Jessica, we're thinking about this in a facts-based way, we're like, yeah, that's sort of true. Maybe somebody with that many indictments with Republicans up there with no evidence, maybe there's an issue with hypocrisy on a level that that's hard to, to, to actually explain. But as you know, um, you know, it's my group, my forensic group that has been looking at Hunter's data. You know, it's us that actually did the forensics on all that out there. And we're so confident in that data, I've already passed that data on all the forensics work for almost a year. We passed that on to the Hunter Biden legal team. Now, how they mm -hmm. deal with that in a criminal or civil way, that's up to them. But you've seen massive aggression, aggression on lawsuits towards people that were disseminating the so-called laptop, which we now know has no forensic chain of custody. And we do know that there's data that's very questionable uh, in, yeah. in, in actual these areas. Like, by the way, uh, Jessica, uh, you're talking about Congress using data that's coming from 4chan and a Marco Polo site from an employee of Peter Navarro. Uh, you're looking at, and when you're even talking about the indictment, you're talking about that 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 mesh. A lot of these are far right witnesses, or what they actually are, people that also were part of the J6 conspiratorial push during 2020 and 2021. For the love of God, you know, there's a complicity for media also. Um, where they're actually using sources that you would never use in any type of article or any type of way. And I think what you saw the congresswoman talking about was that there's facts-based things, and we're talking about fantasy-based things. If you boil it all down, she's talking about an addict who had a father who contacted him constantly, which we know based That's on the fact his brother had died, Jessica. Yes, I know. I've talked about it. I talked about I talk about this incessantly on on the show. I mean, or whenever, you know, I don't want to make the show a show about Hunter Biden. But for God's sake, right. the guy was suicidal. His, you know, beloved brother, who was his only living brother, his his sister and mother died in a car accident when he was a child, for God's sakes, uh, was was an addict on the verge of suicide, um, right. was was being exploited by foreign governments by China, probably being um, set up by Russia. I don't, I, you know, you can talk as much as you want. I know a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. too much. I know too much. I do. I, you know, um, probably better than anyone, the degree of foul play that went into this orchestration of a slander campaign and an exploitation campaign. And really, I mean, you know, I think of the GOP base. I know that a lot of the this base is um, white working class people. A lot of people who have who have experienced um, drug addiction in their families, who have seen this on a personal level. And I just I I I hope for these people that they can take a step back for a minute and see how vile and despicable and godless and unchristian this attack on Hunter Biden to try to disparage Joe Biden with zero evidence really is. It, it All of that you just talked about, Jessica, that exploitation, the destruction yeah. of somebody's digital identity. Yeah. The fact, so Hunter made a noble mistake when he wrote beautiful things 
Uh, and he talked about some of the awful things that he did. He was very honest about it. Yeah. And I think they also saw that as an opening that they could leverage his own confession uh, in a book and then take it to other levels where they would put two facts together with no context or no actual linking information and then come up with something that was out of context and made up. And that's the thing that I worry about is somebody who's had family members die of addiction, a best friend's son for the love of God in a hotel room. Um, I'm very uniquely sensitive to those who are under the throes of addiction and why a father would be calling a daughter or son. And it's almost emotional for me with my three daughters to imagine somebody who's in high up in government, having one of my children going through that type of thing. And what you're saying is the weaponization of that. Let me just, let me tie it in a bow for you. I remember that Steve Bannon was asked a question about Hunter Biden, about what they were doing to him. He said, it doesn't really matter. This is war. Steve Bannon also said they were using editorial creativity on his data. You have Rudy Giuliani talking to actual GRU agents, Ukrainians, Russians, trying to get dirt on Hunter. You had a Russia and a China team from two people that were behind J6. And I think that's what the American people need to know is that the sourcing is wrong. But it's actually just utilizing Hunter as a weapon for election cycles, no matter what that evidence might say or that data might say, after somebody who's already admitted the things that they've done. So I think those are the issues that we have in America now, is that it's so easy to destroy somebody's digital identity or digital persona, and that goes into the real world, and then what the hell do you do then? Yeah, you really boiled it down to this whole Hunter saga is really a foreign election interference attempt. That's, it that's gets what to it the, like, like I said, Jessica, um, I can't answer that completely based on some of the things that are coming out. But whether you get shot on purpose or shot on accident, you're still getting shot. Right. And so I just I think that's what I can say about that. Uh, but the data is pretty incontrovertible when it comes to to chain of custody and things like that. Um, it's um, it's eye wateringly specific on what we have and what we saw in data. Well, we'll have to have you back, Denver. And I've got a lot of a lot more questions for you on the other side of, of a quick break. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Plus, the silver-infused fabrics prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Ew, <laughs> gross. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash lights to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code lights at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash lights and use the code lights to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash lights to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. 
So Denver, I mentioned in the open that fraud case that uh, Donald Trump was found liable for prior to trial this week. He also lost a bid to delay it in the appeals court. They rejected that effort to to put this off like he always tries to put everything off. Um, and now we're just learning, this is actually new from Politico, that he will in fact show up in person for at least the first week of, his, of that civil trial that's set to open in New York on Monday. Um, so Donald Trump will be in court. Um, this is this is the first case that the government has brought against Donald Trump that will go to trial, given, of course, that it's civil versus the other criminal cases. But, um, you know, this just underscores who this man is, who so many people would say to people like you and I, Denver, you should have known. Why didn't you know before? Why did you stand beside him or back him at any point? I kind of want to pose that question to you. Um, you know, where, how do you, how do you reckon with having um, ever accepted an endorsement from him, with have, having ever, you know, defended him and defended this same, you know, members of this same caucus that are literally leading us to the brink of a shutdown right now for their criminal dear leader? How do you? You know, Lordy, you know, um, it's really not an excuse, you know, and I jumped in as, you know, a center right guy in 2018, you know, I'd really never been in politics and had an individual get out for alcoholism. And I always thought of myself as a Republican and, you know, that's how I was raised. And so when I ran, you know, I'm like, listen, you know, I don't know how much, how far I want to go on this Trump train. I remember I had a consultant tell me, he goes, well, Denver, you know, um, you, you're, you're certainly not a Democrat. I mean, you're no liberal and, you know, you gotta, you gotta act a little crazy to beat the crazier. And, you know, you had talked earlier, Jessica, about people who believe or don't believe, right? The, the silence is deafening. I remember in the consulting class, they're like, Denver, don't say anything. Just just do what you got to do because eventually he's going to go away, right? You're a new Republican, right? You you believe in marriage equality. You're, you believe in the legalization of marijuana, right? You're sort of this, this uh, sort of more socially liberal, almost libertarian Republican that's also a fiscal conservative. You also believe in, in a foreign presence of the United States. You're really strong on foreign policy. All you have to do is get through this. The issue that you have is you sell out a little bit of yourself every day thinking that you have a more noble priority or goal, especially if you're sort of a facts-based human being. And, you know, and after July, when I officiated that same-sex wedding, Jessica, when I actually sort of got kicked to the curb by the Republican yeah. Party. I said, how long can I can I play the game long enough to get through this cycle where I can be that new Republican? I can be that kind of person. Well, that's that is fantastical thinking um, because you're already in the current and you have to play on that team. And you know that just, you know, what I'm telling you, you know, probably better than anybody is that when you say, hey, that's just that's a little crazy. That's wrong. Immediately you get that pushback so hard. Right. Like, oh, you're not part of the team. You're one of those crazy people. You're, they're calling you crazy by identifying their own insanity. And I think that's what that's why I didn't vote for Trump. You know, I'm still surprised at how many people still voted for Trump in 2020. Dirty little secret is, you know, even in 2018, I wasn't really on that train either. And so, you know, I'm like, I can get through this. I don't have to support this guy. I can give lip service. I can accept an endorsement and I can be the new Republican and I can turn the train. And that was naive. Not only naive, it actually hurt me. Um, it hurt who I was as a human being. And I think you have to take a point, which I did, where I have to become independent now. Because what I'm seeing is that the stuff that I thought was just sort of, you know, a gloss or a glisten on, on crazy. It, there's no way they could actually be like that. Nobody actually thinks that way. Well, they do. And even as an, you know, a former intelligence officer, which a lot of former military and the GOP and ours, as you know, 
Like there's just no way that can be. That has to be aspirational. <laughs> there's there's no way. But after a year, you know, after the wedding and then after another five to six months at that point, Jessica, I think like you and, and what you had to go through, you're looking around going, I am surrounded by crazy. And how did I get here? And then, you know, you try to claw back. And I think I think you have been incredibly successful doing that. I, I believe I have. I just count my blessings uh, that I wasn't in it from 2016 to 2018 and that my career, whatever you want to call that, you know, is more like, you know, working at a Baskin Robbins in a temporary job. But my two years and, you know, my two, <laughs> kind of my like two my years time on the campaign. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, my two years, you know, you're like, yeah, I am. I always thought I was the center right bastion of goodness and sort of purity. I'm a good guy. I love my family. I love people. But what happens is if you spoon with crazy, that stuff can can rub off on you. It's who you spoon with. And I stopped spooning with crazy, even though I knew I was the I thought I was the good guy. You can't be the good guy in a room of crazies and then and then keep your mouth shut and think, oh, I will just outlast them. I, and that's where I really learned how much more energy crazy has than sanity. And what a lesson for me, even at, at the advanced old age of 48, then 49 back in the day, um, you know, an, an, an old man can can learn new tricks. You know, now at 53, looking back, I would like to go back and Superman throat punch that guy and say, listen, from the first day you were in there, instead of trying seven to eight months to play the game, um, to think that, hey, I'm a new congressman. I need to learn what team building is. I need to learn the environment. I need to be that guy. God dang it, Jessica. You know, I just if I'd had more time in politics, I think I'd never would have run as an R then. It, it mm. just it felt like that's what I had to do in that district. And it was a real learning, uh, a learning time for me and, and something I think about a lot. I really ruminate on. So if you could, I, I think that's, you know, really brave of you and invaluable perspective in so many ways for our viewers. Denver has to catch a plane. So I'm going to truncate our discussion, although I feel like we could go on about this for hours. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We could. Um, yes, but I, I want to ask you, Denver, um, with that retrospect, do you think if you could go back, you would have voted to impeach Donald Trump the first time? And going back, you know, that's what I think I think Mueller needed me on his data team. Uh, you know, I actually read, I mean, I was maybe one of the only Republicans that read the Mueller report and I actually didn't vote for impeachment at that time because I thought all the evidence wasn't there. And I thought some of it was a political at the time, but going back, um, if I could have looked more into the Russian issue, especially what I've seen in data now in retrospect, I might've been the Mitt Romney on the house side. Um, and especially at the time people don't realize, and I think you do as you get caught up especially if you've read the Mueller report. I'm like, what's going on here? I just got into Congress and now I got this going on. And, you know, the the crazy left is doing this. You know, they're orchestrating some political move right on on a Mueller report. that didn't even say that he that we actually should. What, what is this? What is going on? And I think there was probably about 10 to 15 of us that would say in conference, you know, well, this really stinks. Is it impeachable? I don't know. But in retrospect, it's really difficult for me to square that vote as, as you're as you're questioning that. And you know, I do go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I think on some ways, especially with the evidence, you know, presented to us at the time and me reading actually what was going on in the Mueller report and sort of looking sideways at some of it, I wouldn't change the vote. But then, you know, when you're at that point, but now three to four years later, as you get older and wiser, or you're getting in back into the data side of things, it was so obvious that something so ridiculous was going on there with Trump uh, in the Russian situation, especially with it wasn't about Especially the Mueller report. It was about, 
It was about the shakedown of Ukraine. Uh, you know, I mean, that's exactly, really, you know what? Mr. Biden, it's the same thing. That's same thing. And, you know, and that's the issue, right? Is that you get caught up in a, my God, you get caught up in an echo chamber. You get caught yeah. up. And I think that's the thing that I have to, I never thought that would happen to me. Jessica, not me. I'm Denver freaking Riggleman, man. I yeah. was, I'm a decorated military veteran. I'm, I'm a CEO. I'm, I'm the guy, right? I've done all these incredible things. I got a great family. There's no way I could get caught up in this. I'm reading this. I know that this is a bunch of crap. And then in, in retrospect, you're like, oh, you know, you get, the, you know, you're like, oh, oh, that hurts. You know, and yeah. I think that's the thing that you got to square is we have two parties. What lengths are you going to go to? And I'm going to say this, though, and I think this will make you crazy. Um, <laughs> I lose sleep over the fact that I didn't do certain things to win based on who replaced me. So I have this bizarre thing going on. If integrity and winning elections are mutually exclusive, which I believe, and I wanted to show integrity, make up for some things. Look who replaced me by me trying to show integrity as somebody who actually believes in QAnon and believes that life begins at erection, you know? And I think those are the kind of things that, that I worry about. Um, somebody who thought that birth control was bad. I, and, you know, and I'm thinking, what have I done? Now, now the losing sleep is both going through that awful time and losing to a guy based on the fact that I thought that integrity matters. Both of those things are very difficult on somebody who wants to serve. And maybe the hardest thing I've tried to square is maybe I should have been a little bit crazier to win that election, to not allow that guy in there. But on the other side, would I have lost my soul doing that? Yeah. And, you know, you teed me up for this next question, which I I, I hope this isn't, you know, I, I, I think these are really hard questions that are so important to have answers to. Um, you know, you, you're talking about making those compromises to maybe stay in a power for, you know, what in your mind was a calculation of, you know, greater good in the long term. So put yourself in that mindset of maybe having made those compromises, not losing that primary in 2020, becoming the Republican candidate, still supported by Trump, winning your district, being now still a sitting Republican member of Congress. Would you be the same Denver Riggleman that we know today, who's very outspoken, or would you be making those compromised calculations to maybe just try to do what you were justifying to yourself was a greater long-term um, agenda? You know, even when I accepted that um, second endorsement, which was a tepid one at that time, because they already knew that I was down the track on another way, I already told you guys, even though I accept I'm not voting for them, and, you know, they're like, holy shit, Dan. I'm like, well, I didn't before. So, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, doesn't hurt me too much. But, you know, here I am. I'm like, I do I have to keep these kind of secrets just to not let these type of individuals win? So I think I want to tell you, Jessica, that I would have been the same Denver Riggleman. I don't know. And that's what scares the hell out of me. Power is a, it's a sexy thing. You know, I got the first reservations at Capitol Grill, Jessica. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a sexy thing. But on the other hand, I think I would have been kicked out eventually. For, I, I think I'd have been the first congressman charged uh, in the in the modern era with a physical altercation against some of the people from the Freedom Caucus. Because even then, even if I won, even if I won that church convention, which was only twenty five hundred people, if you remember, and, mm -hmm. you know, where they didn't want they, they tried to disenfranchise as many people because they didn't want me to win because I was a bad Republican. I mean, Ooh, I was on the climate change caucus. Yeah. Um, oh, I officiated same sex wedding. 
I think actually that would have happened at some point because I was already down the line by that time. Even if I would have won that, I was already down the line of F this. And I and I do I, I am being very honest about that. But once you're yeah. back in, you know this, Jessica. Once I take the oath again, I'm like, well, you know, for fundraising, I need to send out a fundraising message that says Nancy Pelosi is a socialist. I need to make sure I have a picture with me with my pistol because I meet sure I gotta I gotta I gotta make sure that I'm messaging to the NRA. Well, I mean, am I still gonna do that stuff? But like now, what am I going to do? Basically, do you I, have to be a sellout is what you're saying. A complete sellout to survive. A complete sellout. You have to because there's only two parties. And I don't think the two party system survives the social media alternative media age. I just I think it's impossible. I don't know if we need a third party, but we need another way. I think if we had something, you know, God, I, I'm not really even a Star Wars fan, but we need a this is the way Mandalorian thing going on where somebody actually comes out and says, hey, you know, we need another way besides this tribal stuff. Now, people like Denver don't want about ism the left and the right. I'm not. Listen, I know the far right's in a hold my beer moment. OK, but, you know, the tribalism is awful and you do have to sell your soul to be part of the tribal system in one way or the other if you're going to be in politics today. And that's why I say that integrity and winning elections are most times mutually exclusive. Well, I hope that I hope that you would have been that Denver Riggleman if it took a fist fight on the floor of the house to show your, oh, your God. character. We would have been here for it. Hey, um, hey, I might be old, Jessica, but I'm also slow. You're not old. Hey, on the lights on, age ain't nothing but a number. You are not old. That's right. <laughs> we are not calling anybody old here on lights on. <laughs> no, this has been amazing. Thank you. So this has been amazing. It's never too late to grow. I mean, that is that is a huge theme the of this show. I mean, it is never too late. But like I said in that opening intro that I gave, it's a question of how many people suffer in the process of our personal awakening and our collective awakening. And that's why we have so much, so much work to do. Um, I know that you need to get uh, on that Uber to the airport, but I want to I want to give you an opportunity, Denver, to ask me any questions if you have any about what the hell. Oh, made you... Go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, <laughs> no, no, I was, was going to say what the hell. They're talking over each other. You. <laughs> me. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. What the hell made you want to get out there and do this? You know, you know, for me, it's, I hate bullies. I just wanted to fight. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, my confrontational nature came back against the stupid and the wild and the conspiratorial. What made you want to do this? Uh, what made me want to do it was to have any credibility in my life at all. You know, I, I had oh, this. Wow. I had this nightmarish experience in 2016. Um, you know, I went into politics with, you know, this very idealistic, oh my God, we have someone here who's going to jolt the system in a way that we need to. I would have never been involved. You know, I, I think of a, a quote from Greta Thunberg where she says that, you know, politics has to be influenced from the outside. And that was always from childhood. That was my perspective. I cared about changing the world, but I always thought about doing it from the outside. And, um, you know, tragically, I was sucked into this notion that Donald Trump was the change figure that we needed, went with these, you know, starry eyed expectations and then, you know, got hit with reality about who was in his orbit, not even about him. And so, right. uh, and so I, you know, I had an existential crisis a year after having been, you know, given the treatment that Peter Navarro gives of women uh, in the Trump white house, that was the treatment I got from men on the Trump campaign. I'm, absolute slander, slander, belittlement, discrediting of my value, um, you know, 
just complete terror on a campaign that I thought was against corruption, lies, and abuse of power. And when I had that existential crisis um, I, that I very much resisted facing, um, it resulted in me taking legal action that was that was the birth of this years long legal battle that um, resulted in me invalidating Trump's NDA and the original cases going on till this day in New York Supreme Court. But wow. it was for me, it was I can't live with myself. I can't, it doesn't matter if I go go back to my acting work, it doesn't matter if I pursue journalism, it doesn't matter if I, you know, do the things that I care about for animal welfare, anything that I do is going to have zero credibility if I do not take a principled stand against the corruption and injustice that I saw in this moment. And that's that's where it all started. Bravo, bravo. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, I really, really respect that. I really respect that, Jessica. Thank you. And we have we were discussing before we started this. We have this connection. Um, your co-author on best-selling breach. Book, breach best-selling book, The Breach. The Hunter Walker. If we can put the graphic of that book up on the screen, it's called The Breach: The Untold Story of the Investigation into January Sixth. Um, your co-author is Hunter Walker, who's a journalist. He wrote for Yahoo for a long time before um, moving on. And Hunter was actually one of the first journalists, along with Lupe Lupin, um, who is a writer and an attorney, to uh, do a, a really in-depth story on my first legal victory, uh, keeping my case out of arbitration in New York Supreme Court as a pro se litigant. So we both know Hunter. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hunter actually tracked me down in my distillery and brought cigars to woo me. Um, so uh, just it, that's the way you do it. It's through liquor and cigars if you uh, foreign agents and spies want to know. And but uh, Hunter definitely got there. And, um, you know, he knew so much about January 6th. I did, too. And I we, we sort of had a meeting of the minds. And that's how Hunter became my co-writer on The Breach. And what a fantastic individual and somebody who got me through some rough times while we were doing it. And so it's such an incredible connection that we have with Hunter. And, you know, him and Lupe, I think, have another book coming out that's going to be wonderful. So he's a, he's a prolific guy and, and also somebody that I really counted on during that time. And what a treasure that I was able to meet Hunter Walker. Yeah, I was, I you know, have, being a woman who has been in this battle and has not had mainstream media coverage um, really for years in spite of extraordinary, and I say this with all the humility in the world, extraordinary and historic legal victories against yeah. Donald Trump. Unbelievable. Um, he was one of, he he did my case service, him and Lupe did, and I, I will always be, um, you know, thankful for right. that, for that article. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Yes, if, we can, if we can squeeze in one more thing before we leave. I don't know why this came to me this week, but it okay. did. I have four. I actually have three minutes. The uh, Uber is actually waiting for me downstairs. Three minutes. Okay. You know what? Yes. You know, we yes. can, we can let you go, but we're going to, we're going to play a clip after you leave and you come, okay. you come back, watch lights on live. This is a clip of Carol O'Connor talking about playing Archie Bunker and All in the Family. Oh my and gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh God. <laughs> I, oh, I, oh, it's, oh, I'm getting lit up. They're like, it's there, it's there. I do want to see it. I love it. All right, well, you come in, you tune in live with all of our Lights On viewers. And thank you so much, Denver. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. You're the best. Thank you, Jessica. I appreciate you. Okay. See ya. See ya. Bye. So.
I really wanted to play this clip. This is a, an old clip from uh, Dick Cavett show in 1971 um, of Carol O'Connor talking about playing the character Archie Bunker because, you know, Denver's talking about all of these conspiracies, this fantasy world that so many people live in. And, and I think falling into this conspiracy mindset is so much a product of fear-driven politics, um, of grievance-driven politics, of, you know, all of this, this bigoted, nasty kind of replacement theory nonsense that is out there that makes people think like that, that we're pitted against each other, that we have to, um, you know, demonize the other because they're going to take away something of ours. Um, and Carol O'Connor in this clip really debunks the notion that this is any kind of happy existence um, and really what's at the root of this mindset that would allow someone to be bigoted um, and ignorant. And I think it's, it's, it's evergreen and timely, especially even now in this moment. But somebody said that uh, I was playing a lovable bigot and then the next thing you know, a lady in New York who nobody had ever heard from in about 20 years wrote a big thing in the New York Times uh, about Archie being a lovable bigot. Laura Hobson. Laura Hobson. That's yeah. right, I read that minute. Well, I don't know about the lovable uh, part of it. You see, what we're doing is, uh, uh, we're really present, as I see it at least, uh, we're presenting the story of a man who's basically a pretty unhappy guy. Uh, you people may laugh at him and enjoy him, but uh, he's not really making it in the modern world at all. And you rarely see him happy about anything. And uh, so uh, one of the things that, uh, the main thing that makes him happy, of course, is, uh, is this uh, volume of errors. Uh, the, the, the errors that he's grown up with. Oh, yeah. you know, his, uh, his racism and his bigotry, those are errors that were put upon him when he was uh, learning things at his mother's knee. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's grown up with these beliefs, these misconceptions. And they really are now poisoning his life. So you all must realize that while uh, you're enjoying the show, and I'm delighted that you are enjoying the show, you must look at Archie as a man who could be getting a lot more out of his life if he didn't have these burdens uh, on him and these things that have poisoned his life. There you have it. All of the Trump supporters could be getting more out of their lives if they didn't have this con artists leading them, poisoning their lives, if they didn't have the Fox News propaganda poisoning their lives. Donald Trump himself could be a actual happy man for once in his life if he did not decide to live in a fantasy world to avoid the truth of who he is and what he's done. Um, it's an unhappy existence. And so we can be so grateful that we live in a world where we see reality and we don't fall prey to these forces that would try to pit us against each other and really make us unhappy for some individual, one man's personal gain. Um, thank you everybody for joining me today on Lights On, joining me in Denver Riggleman. Um, definitely subscribe to our audio podcast, Lights On with Jessica Denson, wherever you get your audio podcasts. It's really helpful. Even if you're watching this on YouTube, just you know, go over, check us out on audio. It helps 
this show get more, um, be, you know, get more on the radar and for more people to be aware of the lights that we are trying to shine to save our democracy. Um, as always, if you would like to support my legal fight against the Trump campaign, you can do so at thejessicadenson.com slash donate. I am so grateful for your support that we very much need to pay for depositions and these very high legal costs. Have a absolutely wonderful weekend and stay in the fight. Be strong and let your light shine.